0: Welcome to The Age of Audio. My name's Graham Brown from the award-winning podcast agency, Pickle & Co. The Age of Audio is a series of conversations with thought leaders and change makers in the world of audio. That's podcasts, radio, and social audio converging with big data to create engaging and authentic content for a new generation of listeners. your background is i think you're a storyteller yes tell us a little bit about you know what makes a great story in the audio format
1: one thing that we talk about at puma podcast is having an audio first imagination which is really like taking everything that we understand about the medium and maximizing what is in that medium that you can play with so before I was doing podcasts, I was doing comics and my focus in comics was to use as few words as possible because the innate nature of the comic was visual. And then the words were like supplementary to me. And so when I started doing audio storytelling, I essentially had to deprive myself of, of all visual, hmm. but then I came to understand like all of these other audio elements which were much more powerful because I've also you know, worked in TV and film and all of these other things. One of the ideas that I really latch onto is that our audio response is faster than our brain processing. Like if, if we hear a crash, our body physically responds before we can even process that thing that we heard, we've already responded to it. There is a viscerality to audio that is like, it's, it's undeniable. Like you hear it and you re, re, your body is reacting to it. And that's sort of my, my starting point hmm. with playing in audio is, is trying to approximate things that people will respond to, even if they don't understand it yet. It's almost like trying to make music with a podcast.
0: You talked about comics as an example. What's the sort of parallels in storytelling between these two forms?
1: I think all stories are about conflict. There's no story without a good conflict. And it's the idea of how each form can introduce elements that the other doesn't. So, I mean, in a comic, you can use shadow. You can use certain elements to highlight the feel, like you don't even have to say that this dude is a bad dude. You just have to draw him a certain way. And it's the same thing. It's the, it's the acting. It's mm. the framing. It's, it's the music that we can put underneath something, right? We've seen all of these like analyses or you, you get an image. And then if you put a different soundtrack on it, then it has a totally different feeling. Right? And it's the ability to manipulate all of those
0: feelings. How do you create conflict when, for example, you're telling like a journalistic podcast type story or, for example, it's a brand and they are probably less likely to do something that might be in any way controversial? What what is that conflict there? What are the opportunities?
1: I think for brands, like specifically, there's always a conflict. Like for a brand, the conflict might be how is my product addressing a need? Mm. And that need is the conflict, the lack of it or the need to serve that. For example, like we work with a banking and digital services and the conflict is not everybody has access to digital services. And so building the, the frame around that. So I think where the journalism and the journalistic approach comes in is trying to find those other angles, right? It doesn't f- seem apparent that there's a conflict, but mm. we, we find out what the point is where the story can emerge.
0: Yeah, I was listening to Ira Glass from This American Life talking about his structure. And it was three scenes, just like Shakespeare. Yeah. You've got action, conflict, resolution. Yeah, You know, action is, in the, in the movie sense, it's the dead body lying on the ground at the beginning of the movie, and the gun, and then, you know, the footsteps running away. And then the conflict is that sort of dynamic tension that's set up in the plot, which is really, in storytelling terms, it's called like the through story, the arrow of the narrative that takes yes. you on this journey. And then the, the resolution is the coming home, effectively, or the you know, the, the yes. removal of the conflict as well. Okay, Is it possible to incorporate these techniques and these devices in, in something as simple as an interview? So I'm a guy who relies
1: on old structures. Like I'll be like, I'm going to take this idea from this thing and I'm going to take this idea from this thing and I'm going to see how I can use it to shape a new narrative. And so even in an interview, there is still that. Like you bring somebody in, you talk to them. When you ask them why they're there, right there is that conflict, right? Mm. You're talking to them because they have something, right? They're trying to get a point across. It's like script writing 101. Whenever you have two characters sitting, both of those characters need to have different wants. And you draw out what that character wants, what their intentions are. And you build conflict by either opposing what that character wants or giving them something so that then they'll give you what you want in return. And and that's the interplay of the interview. I mean, it's... I hope it doesn't sound too mercenary to say it, but, like, interviews are like negotiations, right? Mm-hmm. They're negotiations for information. I realize there's a weird meta level
0: to, to this with me giving all of this information within an interview. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm curious because it seems, Carl, that, you know, in podcasting today the vast majority of podcasts are of this format man speaks to man about man's let's face it boring backstory and the the backstory isn't boring it's just told in a very boring dry way and that is sort of step one in all podcasting today and yeah it's great because we that helps us get into the game but there is no dynamic tension there is no conflict there is no through story there is no two characters with different wants and there is no script and it's just okay Carl. tell me about yourself and people don't know how to answer that question because especially if they're corporate as well they really don't know how to answer that question in an engaging way the host's role in this has to be somehow to make people care and ask questions that Mm, you know, don't ask the obvious, but, you know, let's say we start that kind of conversation. It would be, Carl, take me back to that point where, you know, you were just about to launch your first movie, Sure, right? You know, that's like a scene setter, isn't it?
1: I think that when we're talking about narratives and teaching people how to place things within a narrative, again, it's it's like trying to set up boxes that we fill in. Hmm. And and the beauty of of storytelling and structure is that they're defined boxes, like the three-act structure. There's a three-part story arc, and everyone uses the same structure. And the beauty of it is trying to tell that story and then make it so that people don't see the Mm -hmm. structure, and they only enjoy the details of of the story that that you're telling. And I I feel like at least, again, with me advancing my my desires here, one approach that we have at Puma Podcast is we spend so much time in pre-production and development. And that's like a term that a lot of podcasters that I've talked to, when I share the idea with them, they're like, oh, shoot, you guys spent so much time in prep. Because when I worked on other media, TV, movies, before you got to the shoot, Mm. you spent months writing your story and refining it and fighting over the storyboards and figuring it out. So that once that shooting actually commenced, you were just executing on that concept. And so a lot of podcasters think, I'm just going to sit, we're going to hang, it's going to be super cool. And these people have great ideas and often it is, but what if it's not? And what if you can't control it? And that speaks to my being a bit of a control freak with narrative and wanting to be able to prep, do the recording and have control in post so that I'm able to craft a really effective narrative for the listener.
0: What, what is pre-production? What exactly would that be in the world of podcasting to give us a flavor of what most people aren't doing? For us, it's sitting
1: with, say, a client or a partner. And I have a show Bible, which is, you know, a standard tool in like TV, film, and, and walking them through every piece of that process, like, who is this for? Um, how long are these episodes? My favorite question is, what is this show not about? Who are we not talking to, Right what are we going to leave on the table in terms of audience so that it can help us to really speak to those that we really want to talk to. So all of that prep, it's a time investment that is, I feel like it's really good use of time for people who want to tell stories because if we jump into the recording, I mean, like for this, you gave me a fair amount of prep, right? It's, it has to look like we're not prepped, but Mm. it has to feel like genuine and honest. And so, it's weird that prepping can get you there, right? It's the same for actors, right? They they only act naturally once they've had the time to prep and imbibe the role. Yeah.
0: I'm trying to think of the sync with acting, right? That you, you're right. That the fact you've practiced your lines so many times and the fact that you've become really good at you know memorizing lines and interacting with people means that you can be natural that the fact is is kind of like let me just back up a little bit here i remember a good friend of mine who was an actor he also was an animator he was Mm -hmm. both sides of the camera but he started off in animation and digital animation and drawing like even comics right and he was saying, I remember he said to me something which was always stuck in my mind when I'm thinking about podcast or any sort of public speaking. Is he said, imagine a comic character walking across a room, and they were, for example, walking across a room of sticky treacle, right? And you can imagine like the the physical sort of like. The shapes yeah. they would be sort of like walking across this sticky glue, right? Yeah. And how they had to really sort of emphasize it. Sticky treacle, he kept saying. And he said, acting's a bit like that. Is that to create that feeling, you have to almost over exaggerate because a lot is lost through the lens, right? Where I'm not sitting in front of you. Now I think about this in the context of audio. So how do you create that sticky treacle effect where you're trying to over exaggerate just to bring it back to a natural baseline that it feels believable? Because most people, when they do a podcast, it's like, hello, Carl, (laughs) you know, it's very monotonous. But how do you create that sort of engagement without the benefit of actually seeing somebody? Well, one, I, I would just go back to how you were speaking about the sticky trickle.
1: And you you, you intentionally slowed down your words and you really enunciated, and you had them feel it like it's right there. And and that that's where it lies. That's the beauty of audio right now, is if I slow down my voice, it emphasizes, and the listener is forced to slow down with me. And and because we're in audio they have to imagine what i look like hmm. they have to imagine i'm smiling or i'm stuck or whatever and they're 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 and so it's it's super cool as a communication medium because the listener is always involved in audio cuz they're drawing out what you look like and what i look like i can see your background but they can't they have hmm. to imagine they're filling all of it in and so you know the the way that we use our voices and the way that we draw out and like part of the beauty of it when you do scripted content is that you can take the time to write out these descriptions and if you're working with a good enough production house then they're bedding really good music that mm. sets that feeling and sets the ambiance and even brings in sound effects to get you to think that you're where they are Hmm. And those are all those like pieces of audio that actually create a mental picture. It is like acting, right? It is a performance. And that's the thing It's like people think they turn on the mic and they're already performing. But imagine the difference of that versus if you embrace the performativity of everything and you actually built out your I persona character and they were a, a thing that exists in your podcast as the podcast host like there's there's all of these layers of mm. of like meta metacognition of like i'm talking to you now as the ceo of puma podcast this isn't the normal me this is a performative me that i turn on that seems way cooler than the me that just hangs out right and each of those kind of identities is a specific performance and maybe if brands started thinking that way, right, then it has to be a performance. Like the podcast is a potential performance of their brand and their brand values and what they represent.
0: I like that. That was nice. That last bit: yeah. podcast is a performance of the brand. Yeah, you know the wh- what would the opposite of that be? It'd be presentation, isn't it? That's sort of what we're used to in webinars: a presentation,
1: like a commercial.
0: Whereas, yeah, a performance is you know. I suppose that the, the acceptance of a performance is that you have to engage because attention is valuable, right? Yeah. If I'm not engaging you, I'm not a clown, right? I'm not entertaining you like juggling balls. I could do that, but in different ways, like you know, reaching you, speaking emotionally, like trying to tug your heartstrings at the right moments, and all these kind of things. That's a performance, isn't it? And The challenge then, Carl, is corporates where and businesses where you've we have spent twenty years not doing that and therefore being successful at not doing that and hiding all of that. That's tough, isn't it? I mean, how how does that sort of how do you get the VP of marketing to perform?
1: Actually, that's that's a really interesting question because it overlaps with the challenge of Authenticity and performance, because if it's a performance, how can it be authentic? Mm. But at the same time, like knowing who you are and performing who you are can be more real than making a commercial. Like the, I, I feel like the, the opposite of a, of, of a branded podcast is a commercial. Because it's short, they have like thirty seconds, they have to throw the sales pitch at you it's all it, you know it it's all that, but if you make a branded podcast, whether it's an interview format or it's a, a narrative, it's an opportunity to use storytelling to show not necessarily this it doesn't have to be the story of your company, but mm. it can be the story of your values or it can be telling other stories that represent the values of your brand and so in our performances, we can exhibit our values. And I think that's something that people want to understand from brands right now, right? People are so demanding of brands in terms of what they represent. And I think that's a good thing, right? They want to consume things that align with their personal values. And so brands can't just put up a commercial to buy a thing. Brands need to show a performance of their values. So by supporting certain causes, which they already do, that's one thing. But then by releasing content that exhibits where they are in the market, how they view their relationships with their audience, how they view their relationship with their partners, that's also a crucial part of their
0: brand communication, or it, it will be. I just Googled performance. Late. I, I'm one of these geeks that like to know the etymology of words. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm just looking at what it actually means. It means to, obviously, the more modern meaning of performance is to act and sing on stage, for example. But um, the more older meaning of um, performance is to come true. So that's really interesting, isn't it? It's to wow. to, to bring about, to produce, to, to make something come true. And in a way, you talk about that sort of performance of a brand, that you, you sort of... Talked about the authenticity part as well is that, um, you know, that in some way people think that authenticity and performance are somehow opposites. And yet here we are looking at them as the, one of the same. I, I was listening, there was a musician I was listening, just haven't random on YouTube. And he was talking about, um, he, he's quite a, f- there's a musician called Morrissey, who used to be a singer. Yeah, of course. A, yeah. You know, the Smiths, right? And you know, he, his performances are quite legendary. And uh, he was saying like in an interview, because he's very awkward in an interview, he was saying that I don't perform, that's me on stage. Wow. It was really interesting because like that is it, right? It's almost like, okay, it, it almost comes like background, like real performance is completely authentic. You know what it's like when you get on stage, you're very conscious yeah. of how you're dancing. But if you just kind of like dance like how you want, like people yeah. think, oh, that's really cool. This guy, he doesn't give a shit. It's like, the real, you become real. <laughs>
1: I, so, so I want to drop a music reference too. Cause I, I was that. watching, yeah. I was watching Bruce Springsteen's like uh Apple movie uh-huh. and he was saying the beauty of, of song creation was that, and, and song creation with, with a band is that you, you take something that doesn't exist in the world and it's only an idea in his head. And then he talks to his band and suddenly it's a piece of art that exists by their performance of it. It is, it is made manifest. He uses the word made manifest. That's so cool. Love it. And so, if we connect it to brands, right, brand values are just words, mm. right? Ba- brands are about integrity or, the, you know, like freedom or whatever. That doesn't mean anything until brands act and perform those values. Right. And, and and again, like the podcast is, and, and their storytelling, the way that they frame their narrative, I really feel like there's value in the fact that mm. unlike other media, like say a commercial where you got 30 seconds or a minute to frame that narrative. I mean, how many people are going to do an Apple Ridley Scott commercial? Like how many of those even exist that make manifest a brand's values? But if if you frame it within the context of larger conversations, which are made available by podcasting, it's, it's a win.
0: You've been listening to the Age of Audio with me, Graham Brown, from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle and Co. To get access to all the audio conversations and book content for The Age of Audio, go to www.theageofaudio.com. One more time, theageofaudio.com.